you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony Dow and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me. And as with every episode, we start this one staying that the intended audience is everybody. And today we'll be speaking with our special guest, uh, pharmacist Gunther Ha on what his role is in pharmacy technology and informatics. Most pharmacists that I've actually interviewed are in the United States, but Gunther is actually based in Canada. So it will be very interesting to hear about the practice in Canada for pharmacists and for pharmacists in uh, healthcare IT and informatics. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast, Gunther. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, you know, just for listeners to get a little brief overview about yourself, can you kind of just go over about like your role today and how you got into your field? Sure. So, uh, as you stated, I'm from Canada. I grew up in the East Coast in a town called Halifax uh, in Nova Scotia, the province of Nova Scotia. And I went to school there. So, when I was in pharmacy school, I uh, had a, a, a view of what was out there, mostly in terms of just retail. And as I was doing my fourth year, I had rotation in the hospital, which actually opened my eyes quite a bit to the possibilities of clinical pharmacy. Now, at that time, it was pretty late. It was a bit too late for residency applications. But luckily for me, uh, there was an internship posting in Kingston General Hospital, which is actually in Kingston, Ontario, which is, for your your listeners, it's uh, two and a half hours east of Toronto, two hours north of Syracuse, New York. So for me, that was a great opportunity. So I applied and I got the job and I had started just a few months after. Now, the thing about Kingston is that it's... uh, Pretty smallish city, but it's the largest tertiary care center between Toronto and Ottawa. The benefit of this is that we don't have separate hospitals for different specialties. So I had a lot of exposure to emergency medicine, internal medicine, ICU, gen surge, ortho, uh, mental health, and ICU, and oncology. So a few years later, I moved west to Toronto, and I am currently working in Hamilton, which is about half an hour west of Toronto, and I work at St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton. Um, And my focus now is as a pharmacy application specialist. With my exposure, I started working in a clinical area, and then the director at the time in Kingston had thought that I had an aptitude towards technology because I was doing some programming in Excel to do some TPN calculations for for adults and babies because there's a lot of changes and there's a lot of repetition that was happening and uh, with the changes like black back orders or changes in concentration as a result of those back orders, we'd have to redo calculations and there was a risk involved there. So because I had an aptitude to, for the technology and the workflows, um, she asked me if I wanted to get into the pharmacy informatics there. And I did. That one was truly a pharmacy informatics system. It was called BDM. So with that, I got some exposure to that, rotated through with the existing BDM specialist. And when my wife got a job in closer to GTA, I started looking for a job out west, farther west, relatively. And I originally applied for a clinical job, but that position was filled when I was talking to the director. So she had suggested that I apply for a, a pharmacy informatics position there at the, the hospital because they were doing it. They were soon going to be doing a full implementation of a electronic medical record. So I did that and I haven't looked back. 
Wow, that's a lot of experience. Um, did you actually have the uh, retail community setting experience before you started working in the hospital setting? Or was it kind of like at the same time? So I started with an internship program. So as a pharmacist, no, I hadn't worked at a retail pharmacy. But I had three years working as a student, a pharmacy student in a retail setting. So I had that exposure. And then actually, I kept working as a part-time throughout my time in Kingston as well. So I have a kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's actually really cool. So in your role over at Kingston, you were doing the the clinical piece of it. And I, I guess just to back up a little bit, I'm not too familiar with how the clinical interventions and clinical applications that pharmacists do in Canada. Like, can you kind of describe the role of a pharmacist in a, the inpatient setting there? Yeah, so the practice does vary depending on the hospital you're at. Um, the tertiary care centers you have, you tend to have uh, more involvement with the rounding. And we at that center had clinical pharmacists by specialty. So I started out in orthopedic surgery. So I would be involved whenever possible. You go to, to rounds and, and then speak about each of the patients and assess their drug therapy problems and make adjustments. And at that time, we could make suggestions, pharmacy suggests to, to change therapy, add therapy, if there's anything missing or adjustments for creating clearance and whatnot. And I later did more with medicine as well. The other thing that we do do is uh, at that center, the pharmacy department has taken a lead on medication reconciliations. So that was a, actually a very interesting project because that involved informatics because we used, we leveraged BDM's reporting capabilities to create uh, an electronic method to enter the pre-admission medications to check those off and then create a form, an admission form for the physicians to be able to check off of. So a pharmacist would do a prospective med rec as much as possible. Do it be pre-made, they do a med rec, and then uh, it would be assessed by the physician and there would be a recommendation on what to continue or discontinue based on what they've come in on. And then our stats would be able to be pulled from BDM so that was a great project too. And we also involved pharmacy technicians, which was at the time a new regulated title that where they could uh, essentially do more clinical duties, including the BPMH component. That's really cool. So you talked about the MedRec and because you have that experience on the community side, I guess, how did that help inform you on you know, creating this workflow for MedRec? Yeah, so I wasn't directly involved in the MedRec component, but uh, I was part of the informatics side as well, some of the design as well as the, I was also one of the staff that did use the system and was involved in it. But the overall thinking was to, when, when patients come in, there's no clear person, no clear profession that would take on the role of obtaining the BPMH during a MedRec. So, Oftentimes it would get missed or the, the quality might not be there. So that was one of the difficult problems. And the stats in terms of a high quality BPMH was not where we wanted it to be. So that was one of the roles where pharmacy came in that, you know what, when we look at studies, the pharmacist does probably one of the best jobs in terms of obtaining the information of using as many resources as possible, using past histories as well as from the retail pharmacy. And we also have a what's called an ODB drug product viewer, which is for the province for folks that are covered provincially 
all their records are stored centrally. So we're able to use that to gate to as a source of information. But um, it's only one source and we do need to require at least two sources, three sources ideally or more, as well as speaking with the patient and looking at their medications in order to uh, find what the source of truth is and find out what they're actually taking at home, not necessarily what's documented. So understanding the whole workflow of what could go wrong, where where things go wrong and trans- transitions of care and understanding the technology is what helped us develop that system. That's that's really cool. I know you were talking about that particular project, but I didn't get to ask you yet that uh, what your you know your current day to day job duties are because I know that you know a lot of informatics pharmacists we we vary in what we do from one institution to the next, and you know even from when you were working at Kingston to maybe now at St. Joe's, you probably have different duties as well. So what kind of like duties are you responsible for? What kind of is your day to day, or you know is it <laughs> is it typical like other informatics pharmacists where there's no real day to day and it's kind of just like whatever the needs are, you know, so. Absolutely. So that's, it's more of the latter as, uh, as pretty common, uh, wherever we, we end up as a informatics pharmacist. So in my current role, it's always changing, but uh, some of the things that do come in mind and some of the bigger things, uh, first that I remember is the barcode system, troubleshooting, trying to figure out that when we went live with our current system, which is Epic, because the system in the States, which is where Epic was developed, is based on NDCs. In Canada, we have what's called DINs, drug identifier numbers. And those ones are only specific to the strength and the generic and the brand, but not necessarily the pack size. So in the States, the NDCs are very specific to those and they use that as the barcode. Uh, so because the base design is different, we had to approach it a little bit differently. So that's one of the things that I had had to modify the way our approach to be able to even use barcodes and whatnot and how we track our inventory. Other things I'm involved in are ERX build, which are the generic drug builds as well as the core NDC builds. We still call them NDCs even though they're DINs. The other things are dispense logic, optimization, cart fills, therapy plans, which are something that are specific to Epic, and I'm not sure if the other systems have them as well, but it's kind of like a if you have a repeating visit, a patient that comes in for dialysis is our use case, where you might have a repeating order, but they come and go all the time, so they, you can order their dialysis and then just release it, so they only have to sign it once, and then when they come in, the, the nurse will release it each time. Now, of course, with that, there's there's pros and cons, so we have to work through those glitches potentially to, to make it flow for the front line and then also have the pharmacy staff fill them properly and be able to verify the medications. Some other things I'm involved in, and one of the first things I was started on when I first started at St. Joe's was medical clinic build in terms of building the, the drugs, the preference list, the settings, and the profiles for each of those clinics. Because every clinic's a little bit special, so they have certain use cases that are different. And one thing that was, it's a little bit uh, different than what you guys might see is uh, an e-faxing, which I was involved in. We didn't quite get it to go live yet because right around that time we, um, had did our full implementation. So to, to back up a little bit, when I first started, there was a shared instance of uh, ambulatory epic for clinics. And so that was shared between St. Joe's and Hamilton Health Sciences. 
So that was where we started the eFaxing project. But then our full HIS implementation was a little bit a few years later, about a year or two later. And that coincided with around the same time as the eFaxing was coming to fruition. And there was too many changes at once, including the fax server changing. So we put that on the shelf for a second. It's actually coming up again. So so what eFaxing is, is because we don't have e-prescribing, which I think is more common in the states where you enter the order and it goes to the computer system at the community pharmacy. We don't have that. We still rely on regular faxing and paper and sometimes verbals for certain things. So the e-faxing system would have allowed them to enter it into Epic and then have it come out through the analog fax on the other side, which is one step better. But of course, the ideal state would be the prescribing is starting to emerge. Other things I do are upgrades. So Epic has regular upgrades, and we're switching to, I believe, it's a quarterly model now. The other side of my portfolio is with pharmacy automation. So the systems that we have now are ConnectRx, which includes a PacMed Packager, Akidos Cabinets, and a RobotRx. So I supervise the operation and the pharmacy technician super users that that run the day-to-day workflows there, as well as... Trying to just make sure the information between all these systems are smooth, uh, which is uh, one of the major components of my job, uh, as, for example, the interfaces. The other thing that's coming up, actually, is that we are currently in an RFP for new automation equipment, um, as all these old systems are nearing end of life. So as that finishes up, we'll be kicking off the new project and working to integrate that and build new workflows that uh, will improve improve the processes for, for the frontline staff. Wow, you went through, that was a lot of different things that you just went through. And I actually had a question about the therapy. Um, you said it was therapy plans, was it? Yeah, so that's an Epic-specific activity that allows you to, for if it's, it's good for, it's kind of like with cancer treatments if you have an outpatient that comes in maybe once a week uh, you don't want to re-enter all the orders every time for each visit so this allows you to to build it once and then it's released it's signed once but released each time they come in yeah so i actually work for a Cerner system and we do have something similar to that for oncology and it is um, okay yeah we have them set up as a day of treatment plans so each time they come in it's like a day of treatment that gets activated but, you know, once in a while, like, you'll, we'll have a plan that lasts longer than a year. And then that becomes a challenge of like, do we allow this to be valid for over a year? Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, like when people order medications, I don't know how it is for Canada, but the limit in the US is uh, prescriptions one year and then it becomes void. So yes, is that the same for, for you? So in terms of in the in the outpatient setting, so if you were to go pick it up at a retail pharmacy, there I believe in Ontario, there's no technical limit, although there's an unofficial limit for one year, and it depends on the province that you're in. Some of them are one year as well. In terms of the therapy plan, we had to address those types of things in terms of SOPs uh, and guidelines to say that you should the physician needs to review the therapy at least every X number of months, which I think was it's a six or 12 months. It, it kind of switched back and forth. And then that way we would set 
it to fall off and remind the physician to 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 take a look at it and then reorder everything as needed. Just because sometimes, even if you did let it go, it would uh, stay on there and, and may not be appropriate anymore. Okay, yeah. I think what we're doing is similar because we're setting like a limit on the plan expiration duration. So it, mm-hmm. it's kind of similar. So it will remind the provider as well. Like not remind them, but more like this is going to be falling off. So they need to to kind of review to uh, to put a new plan in. So so yeah, that that's really cool. That's kind of like cool that, you know, it's different, but it's still similar, you know, to like what we have in the States for certain systems. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we first put it in, there was a lot of a challenge in terms of educating everybody to use it because it's, you have to enter them a little bit differently um, because every time you release it, it's as if it's a new order. So you don't want it to have more than one dose. So we have to teach everyone to change your frequency using the interval of when you're expecting it to release and then have the normal frequency of the order be once. And then we did reach out to some of our American colleagues that are using them regularly to, to get ideas. So so that, that's the great thing that uh, we've had that network to be able to reach out to different centers that were doing different things to, to be able to help us move forward with our workflows as well. That's really cool that you also mentioned networking because the next question I was going to ask you is um, what kind of advice would you give to you know students or even currently working pharmacists who want to try to get into the role of um, healthcare IT or uh, pharmacy informatics? Like, What would you say to them if they ask you that question? Sure. So it does depend on where you're coming from, whether you have exposure or that network factor. But in general, is to put yourself out there, to show your enthusiasm and try to learn and do as much as you can. So whether it's you, whether it's building your skills through shadowing uh, of someone that you in a role that you want to maybe enroll in yourself or whether it be taking online courses like analytics Excel data structures or reporting. But uh, the other key to success is to know how everything works, not not necessarily in fine detail, but have an idea of how, say, a pharmacy works in terms of maybe things that you're less interested in, like drug procurement, ordering, back orders, uh, contracts, as well as how the overall hospital works, how different departments communicate with the AP center for accounts payable and for us, uh, the ministry and how reporting goes back and forth, as well as our other colleagues, how nursing workflows and physician workflows flow, especially depending on different clinics, whether it's a inpatient unit or an outpatient clinic, and even between different clinics, you'll have different workflows. So the more you understand on a system level, the better you'll be able to uh, ask insightful questions and provide insightful solutions. So that seems to be one of the bigger components that's not as technical, but more of an overall knowledge base that's uh, important to be successful in the position. That's a really good point, because I think there's a lot of misconception in terms of, you know, people thinking that, oh, you have to know these programming language, you have to know, you know, certain aspects of technology to be able to be in this role where, you know, the more I think, I I mean, I, I think the more important thing is knowing the the workflow, like what you said, knowing the operation side, so that you can always, you know, learn the technology piece to apply it. But if you don't have that operational knowledge, it's kind of hard to work on these technologies to improve it, right? Absolutely. If you don't know what you're changing, it's hard to actually change it 
for the better. Yeah, definitely agree. Um, so, so if uh, people wanted to ask further questions uh, directly to you, uh, what's the best way that they can reach you? I think the best way to reach me is through LinkedIn. So just uh, search up Gunther Ha, G-U-N-T-H-E-R space Ha, H-A, and just send me a message and I should start a short conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I'll be putting a link to your LinkedIn into our show notes for anyone who's interested in reaching out to be respectful of your time. I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. And, you know, I've learned a lot from just the Canadian setting of pharmacy with in terms of your role too as an informatics pharmacist. So, so thank you so much again. Thank you. All right. If you guys like this episode, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter or Facebook at PharmacyITME or Instagram at Pharmacy Informatics or by emailing me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. Thank you again for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy ITME. And remember, technology is the tool. Patient care is the goal.